What up, my marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm sitting with the VP of Marketing at Fulcrum. His name is Nick Wassenberg. We get into a conversation really about marketing process one and how you can approach it almost how a chef approaches creating a recipe. But then two, and I think that the deeper part of the conversation and the longer part of the conversation, which I really enjoyed, was getting into first principles thinking and getting your team to understand why they're doing what they're doing and how it serves the industry as a whole, whatever industry you're working in. So great, great conversation. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. But before we get into it, as always, this show is brought to you by us here at Cave Social. We're a marketing agency based out of LA that can help you grow online. So if you're feeling stuck when it comes to marketing growth, you need some help, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us. We'd love to chat. All right, sit back, enjoy this one. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today, joining me on the show is Nick Wassenberg. He is the VP of Marketing at Fulcrum. Nick, how you doing? I'm great. Jordan, how are you? I am doing well. I, I can't complain. I'm excited to jump in and hear you know, really how you approach sales and marketing. But before we do that, I want to hear your backstory. How did you get to where you're at and find your way to Fulcrum? Sure. Well, I've been in the, the business-to-business marketing world for a while. Kind of studied a blend of things in college. From had a, a blended program of economics, marketing, and English literature. Actually, so it's kind of all over campus that way here at the University of Minnesota. And was fortunate to get into B2B marketing kind of right away in financial services. And early on, was given an opportunity to to build out digital channels that were really emerging at the time, doing some content marketing before it was even really called that, automation flows, lead scoring, CRM, all of that stuff was kind of dumped on my plate pretty early on. So I, I kind of went down the path of, again, revenue ops, marketing ops before that was necessarily something it was called, which I think led me to, to continue to pursue B2B marketing as well as getting into SaaS. And so I've made a few stops in the SaaS world along the way. Also made a stop in uh, consulting and made a stop in on the services side actually in the Microsoft ecosystem too. So have a blend of sales and marketing experience and now at Fulcrum jumping right into heading up a B2B SaaS and in an enormous and important market. Awesome. Yeah, and it's a lot going on. And obviously, since you've joined the company, a crazy year of yeah. COVID. But walk me through you know, how you approach really sales and marketing. I know we talked a little bit off air you know, about the ingredients, but kind of walk me through that approach when you get into an organization, a new position, and really the steps that you take to iron out a marketing plan. Yeah, sure. My wife would probably laugh if, I, if she heard me say this, but I kind of see it as a big... The sales and marketing go-to-market function is kind of a recipe, and so typically there's an end game, a an end dish that you want to create. But the things that go into it, especially early stage, are a little bit of a hodgepodge. You don't know exactly how much to invest in paid channels. You don't know how much to invest in an outbound function and how to turn the heat up on those things 
so to speak, how to make sure that the messaging is in the flavor, so to speak, is the same throughout all of those different aspects of going to market. So I think process first and making sure that you have a consistent way to measure what you're doing is super important. And so as we build out the plan here, it isn't so much that we try and set, okay, here's 2021 and here's every week, every month, every quarter going to be laid out in a way that's going to be super predictable. It's just not reality here. So we work on relatively short cycles and save time and, and save energy for experimenting because we're so we are early stage. There's things that are working and we're going to double down on those things. There's parts of the recipe that have yet to be defined. And so I think that's consistent for most companies, but especially for a company like this. I joined kind of in the middle of 2020, a weird time to join a new company. I'm sure there are some listeners out there that did the same thing or had some career changes mid-COVID. An interesting time and an interesting time to be in the, the manufacturing market generally. I mean, supply chains all over the world getting disrupted. So what that means for us is we need to think about things on a longer term brand building, longer term kind of content and positioning standpoint, but also be ready to move quickly on some of the campaigns that we, we can adapt. So I don't know if that fully answers your question, but for us, it is a long-term vision and short-term planning and execution. I love that. You know, it's a, a couple things from that, which is finding that initial recipe, right? Which is figuring out that experience and what's that experience for the consumer. And then you said really understanding a repeatable process and to, I think food is a great comparison because if you could do something great for somebody, but you can't repeat it, it can't scale. And then also to your point of like, Consumers' needs are evolving nonstop. So you need to be experimenting and adding and saying, okay, what's this next step? What's this next evolution? How do we approach this? So we're the go-to partner. We're the go-to company that can come on and actually help solve, you know, these big big business problems or help them put through the struggles that they're having, you know, as a technology partner. I think that's so, so crucial. And I love that comparison to food. I don't think we've had that on the show, but yeah, I'm definitely definitely going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, feel free to, to make it better. I think the, the other thing that people in SaaS may relate to a little bit or any company, it depends a little bit on what you aspire to be and what your market actually looks like. There may be some SaaS applications where it makes perfect sense to try and be the McDonald's hamburger, right? It's not necessarily and like repeatable, cost-effective, profitable, massive scale for us, it's, we're not quite to that point. We want to have it a high-end experience that also we can spread kind of throughout North America and then, then the world. So I think everybody's got a, a little bit different, potentially a different niche to serve, and, and the recipe and the end product, the meal, becomes a little bit different as a result. I love it. Now, you get into Fulcrum, right? And you step in amidst the COVID, new team. What was one of the first things that you said, okay, like, here's what we're going to do from a marketing standpoint. Was there anything that you really came in and, you know, shook up from like a directional standpoint from the marketing side of things? I would say less so shook up, but more so took to heart, I guess. We have a very, very strong vision as a company of the type of people that we want to serve and the importance of manufacturing. I mean, one of the there's a number of stories that get retold, but just the concept that manufacturing is so fundamental, not just to industry today, but to like human nature. <laughs> so right. if we were to start everything all over again, we would probably not reinvent email, but we would reinvent all the tools that we need to cook and to eat and to have transportation and things like that. So manufacturing as a cornerstone of what we do and as a focal point of who our buyers are is super important. And we want to 
the word that we use quite a bit is like glorify manufacturers and not necessarily the manufacturers that you and I hear about in our daily lives but the ones that are making the components that go into our thermostats or our cars or our mobile devices etc so there's this huge kind of midsection of manufacturers that are often overlooked and as a result the technology that they use to run their business is is overlooked as well and is dated and is has this kind of um, interfaces and usability that's not up to par with where we are today so I mean the point being that from day one and really before day one I saw the need to keep our buyers and our the manufacturers that we serve kind of front and center to understand them understand their kind of deep-seated motivations about why why would someone start a metal shop why would someone inherit a business and stick with it when it can be a bit of a grind and it is a unique space to be in when you think about those mid-tier manufacturers so that's part of what we do here is is continue to glorify this market that we think has been underserved and, and a bit ignored from a technology standpoint you know it's so like you hit the nail on the head there for me of understanding where your consumer is at mentally and why they care about the stuff they're manufacturing and why we need to care as well as both suppliers and consumers to be like, okay, this company that's creating boxes, let's say they're manufacturing boxes and they do all the pizza. It's like your point, somebody might've inherited that. Now they're taking over their family legacy. It's important to them that this provides jobs to maybe they have 50 staff, maybe they have 150, maybe they have two. It's important to them that those people stay, that they are able to provide for their families and really like selling the product in a way that taps into those emotions to say like, look, this is what it can do for you. It's not about just like, it's going to save X time. It's like, that is one part of this whole thing. But why do we want to save time? It's like, oh, your workers might have more time with their family now. And I, I think a lot of times as marketers, we miss that final connection you know, of like, we just start talking about feature sets and it's like, okay, cool. There's an app, but why? And it's like, okay, now you can operate your business and check in on things even when you're not in the office and allowing more of a 360 view. All of these things that are, to your point, I think have been underserved, particularly from a marketing message standpoint. I find a lot of times companies either they're going after the biggest producers and these people that have 20,000, 10,000 employees or the DTC messaging, which is like, we're just trying to sell a million or something. Yeah. And buy it and you're on your own. Like that kind of, that kind of mentality too, I think comes into play. It's really interesting. So now taking that, right, that vision and saying, hey, we're here to glorify manufacturers really and celebrate them, right? And celebrate all yeah. that they're putting forward. Is that like internal mission statement do you guys all repeat that you know internally a lot is that something that's like beaten like a drum or is it handed to you an employee handbook and you kind of got to take it and run with it <laughs> i think there's elements of it that are certainly repeated i think we as a company like to focus on you hear this quite a bit but i think it's never been more true than than here at fulcrum from in my experience in my career that we focus on really first principles thinking and what that means is when someone comes into the company they don't start by saying okay how do we do software engineering here at fulcrum how do we do marketing here how do we do customer success here we start with how does manufacturing work <laughs> how do you do metal work how do you how, what does a machinist job look like what are the raw materials that we pull out of the earth to then create the things that we all touch on a daily basis like start with much more of that first principles thinking and then all of the other things come later what are our principles around serving customers and communication and our roadmap and all those things that are built on the fact that we did not we're, we're not making a slightly better ERP we're, we built this from 
kind of first principles thinking about what would actually be useful and scalable and, again, put the manufacturers thinking in their day-to-day basis, their needs, their desires that on a first principles level, where to, how does that get incorporated into the product? So the drumbeat is a mutual understanding of kind of how the, the world of manufacturing fits together and how these individual customers fit into that broader ecosystem. And it starts with really understanding the, the basics and the fundamentals of, of how it all how it all works from raw materials all the way to finished goods. So you don't need, we, we don't find the, the need to beat that drum to everybody in the same way all the time. But it certainly shows up like the SDR team, as an example. We've got a, a small and growing team of SDRs that the focal point for them is to draw back to, let's think back, let's not let's not get into features and benefits and try and tell the value story right, right out of the gate. Let's start by asking a ton of questions and really getting a deep-seated understanding of where someone's coming from, what their personality is like, what their kind of higher level dreams and, and motivations look like. So the manifestation of how we think about first principles comes into play within each of the, the different roles in the company and it isn't like we don't need to have a sign as you walk into the office that says we believe manufacturers are great right. it's just kind of it's it's always there in everything that we do it's alive in everything you do right yeah. i think yeah. i think it's an interesting thing you you said there really with the first principles thinking and I always equate this back to when you understand the entire thing you're trying to accomplish and why it's important you understand why you're not just focused on your cog right in the wheel you understand where that wheel is going and where the car is driving overall or in you know people on this podcast have heard me talk about football before but i played football and if you only understand as a receiver your one job but you don't understand the whole play taking place it's like you're gonna miss why you're even on the field and why you're doing that stuff and i think businesses a lot of times to your point it's like if we can set the foundation of why manufacturing is important why people need to do this then that employee when they come on that's already in the back of the head of like, oh, I'm performing task one, two, three, working on feature four, five, six, because it serves these larger pain points or larger functions of the whole industry. I think that's a huge takeaway for anybody listening is to think about when you're training your team and talking to them is don't just tell them the job. It's like, why are they doing that job? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then you don't have to put up a you know a sign to, at the start front of the office that says if you dream it you can do it or yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think it shows up too, like in hopefully shows up and will continue to to work at this. But I think it shows up too with both prospects and customers' perceptions. Like mm-hmm. people, B two B buyers are savvy enough these days to know when there's people that had a great business idea that they thought they could make a lot of money on versus people that are truly invested in being a part of an insider, so to speak, and and being committed to not just seeing their customers as cash registers, but more so partners and a a group of people that we can prop up. So I think the becomes much of less of a an uphill battle on the brand side when you have a true belief in in what you're doing. It shows up in the content that you produce and the the type of people you hire and the, the type of questions you ask. So there's benefits there that are on the brand side a little bit harder to pin down, like dollars and cents wise, but are still definitely there. And I think it makes it the whole thing a more genuine and authentic. And it's transitioning your whole company from thinking like, are you a vendor or are you a partner? Because vendors are replaceable. Somebody comes in with a cheaper product, I will swap. It's like, you know, the government's going to sign a contract to import wheat. They're going to go with whoever is the cheapest import. Like they're going to make that business right there. You're battling on price and you're not going to retain customers over the long term if you're just 
constantly in this price war. So you have to go to your point. How are you a partner in the industry? How do you have, how are you an insider? How do you understand the pain points of those, you know, people who own manufacturing companies and truly have their back? And say like, hey, this solution's for you. Or hey, maybe this solution isn't for you. And that itself is so powerful to set yourself up really as an ally to your customer, not just seeing your customer, as you said, as cash registers. It's almost foundational shifts in the way that you you approach business marketing message. And to your point, if we have that in our head, when we sit down to write a blog post or create a flyer or do anything, and that's in the back of our head, the content we produce is going to come out and be more in line with that as a whole. Yeah, and I think generally as marketers, I think we've also evolved in terms of there's a certain type of marketer that has little or no interest in producing another white paper that is going to be a gated form bait, and that's all. Like I, I think there's actually a shift maybe that's already here or that's coming in that people want to join a company to do the best work of their career, and that doesn't mean for everybody. For some people it does, but not for everybody. It doesn't mean having this piece of clickbait content that is incrementally better than the last one that I put out and then I'll incrementally make that one slightly better next month or something like that. Not here to, to throw shade on people that are optimizing their funnels. I think that's super important, something that we do and I've done throughout my career. But there's also, there's like a higher order thing that when you can find a, a company to, to be a part of that you can connect with their bigger picture vision. I think it actually means a lot in terms of employee motivation and, and doing good work and, and getting into the next kind of phase of a marketer's career in a way. A hundred percent. I completely agree. Now, Nick, before I let you go, let people know where can they learn more about Fulcrum and connect with you online? I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn in particular. My Twitter's gone a little dormant, so I'm on both of those platforms pretty heavily. You can find Fulcrum at fulcrumpro.com. We are based in Minneapolis, Minnesota with team members all over the world, and so we are also hiring. So reach out to me, check out the website if it's something you're interested in learning more about, and obviously Hopefully it goes without saying, I'd love to talk to any manufacturers out there in the, <laughs> in the audience too. For sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Nick, for coming on. Everybody, I will put links to both Fulcrum and Nick's LinkedIn in the show notes page. So you can go over there, check that out, connect with Nick. Nick, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. Oh.